Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the V Auto Podcast. Today, our guest is Patrick Jaynes, Director of Stockwave Business Development. Patrick's here to talk about the evolution of auction purchase metrics. Patrick, welcome. Thanks, Lance. If I think about auction purchase metrics, a couple things pop right to my brain, and that is the book values. You know, you hear guys talk about, you know, I bought this one back a book, or I bought this less than MMR, or maybe it's a percentage of NADA retail. And I understand we're going to spend the bulk of our time today talking about a few new metrics for purchasing cars, but let's look at those tried and true metrics. What's the matter with them? Yeah, when it comes to guidebooks, I mean, that's just our comfort level as, as buyers and as used car managers in the market. And there's nothing wrong with them, but it is a wholesale view. It's I call it a, a rear view mirror. Okay. <laughs> right? okay. You're looking in the rear view yeah. mirror at what happens. So it's historical data. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, it's really just showing us where the car has transacted wholesale-wise. I've run into situations and working with hundreds of clients in my former role as a performance manager and actually seeing where some vehicles have very small sample sizes, let's say MMR for example, and you dig into the transactions and maybe there's just a handful of cars in that historical data. Maybe there is one vehicle that transacted with an odometer of 110,000 miles and there's another one that transacted at 10,000 miles. Now I'm going to take an average. Yeah. of that yeah. and bet the farm on purchasing that vehicle based on what I think the MMR average or the wholesale price should be for that particular vehicle. And I've seen guys and gals get in trouble with that strategy. So you have to be very careful. It's just one metric of many, I believe, that you have to look at when acquiring a vehicle. So what are the new metrics? And I understand there's really three that you're bringing to bear. So the one that I believe, and I should say I believe, Viotto believes in many cases, we never want to purchase a vehicle unless we know what we're going to sell it for, right? Right. What is it selling for? Retail back. Right. So I believe the live market view is a huge indicator. In Viotto, we use the adjusted average list price, adjusted for odometer. Mm -hmm. What is that vehicle on average being listed for in a competitive set in your market out on the internet? So now we can determine a spread, right? So if I can buy the car for somewhere around MMR average, or you you pick a book that you're comfortable with from a wholesale perspective, and then you look at where the vehicle potentially is gonna transact, where it's listed on the internet, I can calculate the spread or the margin that might be available to me to be able to purchase that vehicle. That's kind of the the leading indicator. Can I make some money and a little bit of margin on this vehicle? Now I gotta back out all of my auction fees and my reconditioning and all that, but that's kind of where I start. The next place I want to go then is market day supply. I want to know, is this vehicle moving fast in the market or slow in the market in a general sense? Give me a little sense of travel rate on that particular vehicle. Obviously, if it's moving fast and it's clearing the internet pretty quickly, then I've got a chance to be able to make some money on this because the demand appears to be pretty high for the vehicle and vice versa. And then finally, uh, scarcity. This is a new index that we've introduced within the Viauto House of Metrics, but it's one that's been around a long time with AutoTrader. Yeah, yeah. And I find this one really, really interesting because AutoTrader has a lot of rich data because they keep track of those folks that are looking for cars on a regular basis, and we can get some sort of sense of demand for the car in that third-party website, which is some pretty interesting information. 
So before we talk about maybe how those two metrics specifically, market day supply and the scarcity index work, let's jump back to market day supply for a second. What's a good car or what's a good market day supply number? And I know it's all over the map, it depends on the car, but just for the sake of you know putting something in the wall here, where would that be? What's a good sort of below it's not so good, above it's pretty good? So I was really fortunate to work around some folks that have been in the V Auto software since the beginning, right? So it's many, many years of experience with the data. And the sharpest ones used to tell me, listen, the average market day supply of a vehicle is around 70 or 80 days. Just, just kind of a rule of thumb. Okay. Trying to keep this simple for a dealer to understand. Yep. Yep. And so, and me. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, so if that's average, and there's a lot that goes into market day supply, we can talk about travel rate and the number of units and all that, and, mm -hmm. and, and I'll reference that here in a minute. But rule of thumb is, if I've got a vehicle that's 40, 50 market day supply vehicle, obviously that's much lower than the average, that appears to be moving pretty quickly. If it's a 120 or 150 market day supply vehicle, that vehicle is probably going to have some price pressure on it. And there's a number of ways that 140, 150 market day supply car could present itself in the market. There could be 300 of them in my 50 mile yep. range of market. Yep. And it could be 150 market day supply. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of cars, very slow moving. Mm -hmm. However, it could be a situation where there's a bunch of them out there, but it has a real low market day supply. All right, so let's say I've got a 40 or 50 market day supply yep. vehicle and there's 300 of them out there, mm -hmm. okay? So what's that telling me? Well, 30 or 40 market day supply, I'm gonna gobble all those I can. Well, wait a minute, there's 300 of them out there. You can't price yourself at number 250 <laughs> or 280 out of 300 and expect that market day supply to really you know pull through for you and it just to shoot off the shelf at the dealership. So you do have to pay attention to the number of vehicles that are available out there. Mm -hmm. But as a general rule of thumb, when you're making quick decisions, which you have to when you're in the wholesale market, yep. that market day supply high, low, average around 70 or 80 can give you a pretty good snapshot of how the vehicle's moving in the market. Now, the other day I was talking to a dealer, we were talking about the scarcity index, and he mentioned for him, the rule of thumb is 250. So if it, the car's higher than 250, he's gonna take a look. If it's below 250, it's sort of, eh, not that interested maybe. Hey, how does that number strike you, that guy's rule of thumb? And then just affirm for me that it's sort of the opposite of market day supply. That is correct. Okay. <laughs> you gotta keep this straight. <laughs> high scarcity, good. High market day supply, not so good. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> uh, you know, low scarcity, not so good. Low market day supply, good. They relate somewhat to each other. Our founder, Dale Pollack, wrote a blog about this several years ago that he saw some relationship. They're relative to each other to kind of keep track of things, but there's not a perfect science on how they all come together. But dealers that are paying attention to this or are looking for those high scarcity, mm -hmm. low market day supply cars, gentleman that I think you're talking about is a good friend of mine in the market. He makes some home runs on some of these vehicles and he uses that strategy. So I'm gonna go with him because okay. he's buying cars every day. Yeah, yeah. And he told me that to, to him, he calls it the one-two punch, yeah. you know, where you have that high scarcity, low market day supplies. But what scarcity really does is it looks at the number of vehicles in the DMA, the designated market area, and says, okay, here's the number of vehicles that are available for sale, okay? And then it also calculates how much activity, how many clicks those vehicles are getting on. Mm, okay. So I'm a trainer messenger. Okay. They do a little bit of math with that, 
and say, hey, if you've got a vehicle that is in low supply, there's not a lot of them listed on AutoTrader, yet there's a ton of activity, a lot of people clicking on those vehicles and looking for them, that's where you get that high scarcity vehicle, and that's something that is probably going to do pretty well on the lot because you want to have the car, right? Mm -hmm. Because very few cars out there, a lot of people looking for them. I want to be the dealer who's got that one. Yeah, and, and that's the yeah. concept. So the two fifty number seems about right. Is at least the rule of thumb. Yeah, and I'm going to lean on him for that because yeah. uh, for scarcity for me, I've always you know the higher the better. But I've seen cars with a seventeen hundred scarcity. The uh, ratio can be crazy, right? So if he's seen that two fifty number, and I know that gentleman who's been in at least two major markets now. He spent a lot of time in the Atlanta market, and now he spent a lot of time in the Washington, D.C. market. Yep. I know that he's probably got a pretty good idea of what's working for him, and he's the kind of guy that takes the chances on those vehicles. He's brought them in, and he's watched them be very successful from a margin and profit standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I would say he's a good guy to uh, base that instinct on that he has for the 250. So if we step back and we look at those three metrics you just described and push them up against the old metrics, if you will, or just the books, what we've kind of done is take the rear view mirror and sort of pointed it to the front of the car, so to speak. I'm now curious, Patrick, drill into how dealers might use these three in tandem. Maybe as they're looking at a car, what are the factors that might say, that I might say, okay, my spread might be 600 bucks after I look at the list price. The market day supply might seem a little edgy, but I need the car. You know, what am I going to do in a situation like that? I don't think you can make your entire acquisition strategy based on just the metrics in terms of what am I going to go buy. I think what you first have to do is determine what works well for your, your business plan, for, mm -hmm. for your dealership. Okay. Okay. So if I was a Nissan dealer and I do fantastic with 2017 and 2018 Altimas that are probably very, ton of them in the market, right? Yeah. Yep. And I told you, oh, go look at these metrics. Those don't look so swell. Better not buy any more of those Altimas. Mm -hmm. uh, that would not be good advice. Okay. <laughs> because there are certain vehicles, because maybe you're a franchise or maybe you have a great location, let's say you're an independent dealer you're in a particular lot and a certain demographics where you know that particular vehicles have a lot of eye candy and you can sell those day in, day out. You may look at the metrics and go, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. I know this vehicle does well for me. So mm -hmm. part of your strategy has to be what you've had success with sure. and what you've sold. Sure. And you've got a pretty good idea because you buy those vehicles on a regular basis of whether you can be profitable or, mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. Where I think the metrics are really, really important is when you say, and, and this is the market today, right? So the used car market is up, right? I think yeah. last month it was up like three and a half percent. We have a great SAR, you know, we're running at like 39.5 million. Yeah. Some think it might even get a little bit better. New car business softening a little bit, That's right. which usually means trades, trade-ins start to soften a little bit. Mm -hmm. So if I want to take advantage of this really robust used car market, I've got to acquire inventory. That's going to push me to say, I know what I sell, okay, but do I want to keep buying more of what I sell if I'm not getting those unique trades in that I really may be able to make some nice gross profit I on? see, yeah. So now i got to kind of look at my strategy again, look at the market, look at segments that I may not trade vehicles in very successfully, segments that I've never played in before, and go out and try to look for opportunity. 
So let's just say sports cars. Okay. All right. It's the time of the year. Yep. People, if, if it ever stops raining anywhere well. in the country, it might be sports car weather, convertible weather, right? Yeah. But let's just say that's an opportunity. I don't stock a lot. I don't get to trade a lot. But I look at the market data, and, and we provide this in uh, the provisioning module of the auto. And I look in there and I say, wow, fifteen dollars to $20,000 sports car segment uh, really does well. I can't believe how many cars of those are transacting in my market. Mm-hmm. And you figure that out. Now i got to sit down and go, I have no way of playing in that market if I don't go to the wholesale market and find them because I don't trade them. I don't have any sales history, so my system never tells me to go buy one. That's where the metrics are really important. And when you talk about the gentleman we were referring to earlier who says, hey, that's where I'm going to start looking at scarcity and Ah, I'm going to start looking at market day supply because I want to get into that segment. And it looks like a lot of people are having some fun in there and I'm not getting any of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's where the metrics would come into play and I would put a plan in place to maybe stock a few of those. But I don't want to go all in and buy something that's going to sit on my lot and not turn. So the metrics are critical for me to jump into that segment with no experience and no history and be able to take advantage of it. So it's two things. It's telling you something you don't know a type of car, a segment that maybe you haven't played in, or maybe it's dried up if you previously traded for it, it just hasn't been around. Mm-hmm. And then it's a little more confidence or perhaps uh, risk reduction because you now know a little bit more about that car and its likelihood for you to sell in the market. Exactly. I heard back in the fall, a lot of dealers were saying, hey, I'm not going to go buy cars in wholesale. I'm not going to go into the auctions because I got all the trades that I can live with. And you know what? I'm not paying those crazy prices yeah. that those cars are going for at wholesale. And I kind of went, well, you can get away with that. Knock yourself out. That's completely shifted this year because now the trade-ins are a little lighter. And so now we have to go acquire more inventory or we just sit in the sidelines and not take advantage of a really, really great used car market. Right? Mm-hmm. So now they got to go back in there. But I just recommend that they do it cautiously because I don't know how many dealers I've worked with who've gone out and bought 20 or something because, oh, we need cars, boss. We need cars. Just go buy them. They bring them all in at once. Not a whole lot of strategy behind it. Stuff they sold before and they buy, you know, they probably just needed five, but they bought 20 because they were overall in inventory, Mm -hmm. thought they were missing the boat, and 15 of those age on them. And next thing you know, we're losing money on those 45 days later or 30 days later or wherever they've got to pull the trigger on them. My point is, let's look at some opportunities. Diversify ourselves a little bit. Look at those key segments. Put some strategy behind it. And then look at those metrics to make smart decisions instead of just going all in and, and buying a bunch of something. So, and I guess in that, what you sort of described there, Patrick, is maybe if, if I was that dealer who said, let's go out and get 20 or 30 cars, chances are I'm gonna get the 20 or 30 cars that I've been accustomed to selling. But everybody else is going for the same cars, that means my buyer is gonna pay more. It's If I'm putting the dots together here, if I have that list price metric you talked about, that average market price, as I'm acquiring, I might see right away the kind of grosses that I might have previously expected don't exist here. Exactly. Because the market may have shifted. Remember, when you buy a car that's, when there's plenty of them at the auction, when you buy 10 or 15 of those, the next week, someone's right behind you buying that car as well. And for all purposes, they are depreciating assets, typically. That's right. <laughs> so yeah. they usually buy them for a little bit less. So the longer I hang on to that vehicle, what I own it for, what we call them the auto, our cost to market, especially on those kinds of vehicles that are 
plentiful in the auction, mm-hmm. those cost to markets tend to rise very quickly. And we've done some analysis on this. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very methodical. And I think sometimes instead of buying 20 of something that you think always does well for you, maybe you back that down to what your typical travel rate is and go into some uncharted waters, into some segments where you're not playing and the market's doing very well and try a couple of those units until you find maybe a new segment, a new price band mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. really works for you and you kind of spread your uh, your investment around a little bit, right? Yeah. That's kind of like stock portfolio, right? You don't yes, wanna... <laughs> yes. Be all in the high risk. Uh, I've got to revisit that in my own portfolio, (laughs) as a matter of fact. Now, just to to put a finer point on it, so these three metrics we've been talking about, the average adjusted list price or average market price, the scarcity index, and market day supply, those are now available in StockWave. They are. They are. And the adjusted list price was just the average list price before. It wasn't adjusted for a dollar. So I'm encouraging everybody who may have been StockWave users for a while looking at the average price. I think it's a quicker, faster decision maker yeah. because it's adjusting that average price for your odometer when you're looking relative to the market. It's a little tweak, but it can make a big difference. Again, in StockWave, we built the software to be able to help you make decisions very, very quickly because you know we know that the more cars you look at, the more wins you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So we want you to be able to look through hundreds of cars when you maybe only used to be able to look at a, through a handful of cars and run less. Mm-hmm. Now you can go across auction platform and look at a lot of vehicles. So that's why we built these metrics in there to, to be able to be available very quickly. That's one adjustment. The market day supply was always in there for a shared client if you had provision. But now if I buy Stockwave and I don't have an inventory management system, say I'm an independent dealer Ah, who really just wants to get into making better acquisition decisions and most independents buy 80 or 90% of their cars at auction, now I get market day supply uh, in my standalone Stockwave subscription. And then finally scarcity was an index that we just added to all Stockwave subscribers, whether you're on provision you didn't have it before, now you got it, or even a standalone. So, And that's a step saver, correct? Because previously, if they had their cars on AutoTrader, they might have had some of that scarcity data, but it's not in front of them at hey, that moment. Exactly. They waited for the AutoTrader rep to email them this big, fat spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> and some of them would have a, another screen. I had a, several clients would have another screen where they could sort through that spreadsheet mm-hmm. and find the car that they were looking at. Now, with a click of the light bulb in Stockwave at the glance, it will fill a cell and tell you exactly what the scarce would be. It's a huge time saver and just another great metric to validate against. Okay, one last question, Patrick. We've talked about how the metrics help, but just to flip that coin for a second, what danger, if any, goes along you know, with these metrics and, and perhaps an increasing reliance on these metrics? Well, I think, you know, there's still, the today's buyer, uh, there's still a bit of an art, you know, to be able, yep. being able to buy yep. cars, yep. right? So I think you still have to have some common sense, and I think you still have to spend the time coming up with your strategy of what is the best portfolio or inventory portfolio that you want to go to market with. Mm-hmm. You've got to spend the time there. If you go straight in and just say, oh, that's a, you know, shiny new object, click the button and go, look at the metrics are fantastic on that, that might be fine. Mm -hmm. But have you looked at the segment and the price band with which that vehicle will sell in, Mm -hmm. and is that a good one for your market? 
So I think you got to start back first identifying where are the hot spots within your market by segment, by price band, understand where that opportunity is. Mm -hmm. And I think really the metrics are kind of that icing on the cake to help you make a much more informed decision, smarter decision to enter into those. So just going in today and saying, hey, let's go find cars with perfect metrics and let's start buying them. I think you still have to have a strategy of what is best for your inventory, what kind of cars that your dealership tends to sell, right? So if I'm a ten dollars to $15,000 heart of the market, you know, used car kind of guy, and I go, hey, these Land Rovers really have great metrics. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's just be careful, right? And that, so let's be smart. <laughs> Let me triple my average vehicle investment right. to go exactly. for it. Patrick, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for uh, joining us here today to talk a little bit about the evolution of auction purchase metrics. We'll look forward to the next time you're with us, Patrick. Take care. Thanks, Lance. My pleasure. And folks, thank you for taking time to join us for this episode of the V-Auto Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you and stay well.